1: Right now on Fast, Elon Musk bagged his bird, officially buying Twitter for $54.20 a share in cash. An all-hands meeting. Getting underway at this hour will break down the deal and the ripple effects straight ahead. Plus, a trade update on Netflix. One of our traders has cut the cord on this streamer. The stock is down another 3% today and over 38% in just the last week. Inside this breakup, minutes away. And later, a reversal of fortune. stock stage a big Monday afternoon about face. This is Alphabet and Microsoft start the countdown to big tech earnings. Can you trust this bounce? We'll debate that. I'm Melissa Lee, live from the Nasdaq Site here in Times Square. This is Fast Money. On the desk tonight, here in studio, Tim Seymour, Karen Feiderman, Dan Nathan, and Guy Adami. Good to be with you all. We begin tonight with that big news out of Twitter. The board doing an about face, accepting Elon Musk's offer to ac- acquire the company for $44 billion in cash. Musk will take Twitter private if the deal gains approval. And in his first tweet after the announcement, that he used rocket, heart, and star emojis, plus a statement about the deal. Former CEO Jack Dorsey will walk away with almost a billion dollars in cash as part of the purchase. Twitter holding an all-hands meeting right now at company headquarters. We'll bring you any headlines as they cross the tape. Shares of the social media platform rising nearly 6% on this news. It's highest close since November, still short of the per share offer on the deal. So does this deal make it to the finish line? And what are the ripple effects across the social media space? happened pretty fast, Dan. What do you make of
2: it? It did. I mean, I don't think anyone thought it was going to happen this fast. And obviously, you know, this is different than a strategic buyer here for for a whole host of regulatory um, reasons. And I think the biggest issue might be just, you know, the financing again. You know, I mean, he's levering up um, his Tesla shares. You know, we brought this up last week. You know, if he's leveraged so much, maybe Robert Frank um, on the network had this tweet thread earlier today, maybe 50 percent of his Tesla shares are pledged, um, you know, to to do the, the fact of the matter is that's a trillion dollar stock. It has the potential to go lower. And in the past, he has had margin calls. So to me, I don't think it's a done deal from that standpoint. I do think it—you know—it's interesting that um, strategics couldn't buy it. It doesn't seem like there was too many other private equity bids for it. And so, what is he getting for forty-three billion dollars? I'm not really sure.
3: Well, it's not cheap. And and you know, you're somewhere around thirty times EBITDA. You're somewhere around seven times revs. And and you've got a guy who's going to take hold of a company that doesn't necessarily agree with the the five billion ad model that's in place right now. It's certainly, Tesla's not advertising. Uh, using advertising anywhere in, traditionally. So look, this is one of the biggest tech deals of all time, though. I mean, we can't you can't poo poo that. And and I think certainly social media will will maybe never be the same. Uh, and I don't know what that means. I just know that um, this is significant. And there really aren't that many other players uh, in the social media space. And Twitter is clearly one of the most important.
1: Karen, you don't think the deal's going to get done.
4: No, no, I, I, I'm short the stock today. I shorted the stock. And I think that the risk reward here from owning the stock and hoping the deal closes at 5420 is so not compelling that it makes me want to be short, which I am. So a lot of things can happen, right? The deal could take a long time. That's one. Um, the, uh, the market could get nervous. We're going to see earnings on Wednesday or Thursday morning, I'm sorry, or Thursday afternoon, and uh, those could be bad. The spread would probably trade a little wider. The one thing that really doesn't work in this short is if someone else comes in. However, given how quickly this deal came together, makes me think there weren't a lot of other parties, maybe zero, Mm -hmm. that were interested. Now, anyone else is free to come in if they choose, but it makes me think, you know, they should have scoured the landscape a little bit and they probably didn't come back with much. Then there is also, what if this deal doesn't close and Elon says, I'm I'm out and I'm done and I'm getting rid of my stock. The downside in that scenario, meaning the upside for the short, I find so compelling that I'm willing to have the likelihood that it does close in that, that's a most
1: likely scenario. So the, the downside, let's be clear, could be pre-ELON or even lower, because now we know that there aren't any buyers out there, but downside the upside. premise yeah. <laughs> is that it trades lower just because maybe, it takes a long time, It takes a long yeah. time. One thing I do
4: want to point out, though, it does look to me we haven't seen the merge agreement yet, but I did read that there is no financing condition. That's something the board really was concerned about. So Elon has said, I will not have an out because I can't finance it. So I don't know. I think it's a, not a great own for sure. And a, an interesting short.
5: What Karen is talking about in the old NFL, there was a head coach that said the forward pass, three things can happen and two of them are bad. Interception, incompletion, the thing being good, a completion potential touchdown. I hear what she's saying. And the smart thing to do if you're long the stock is take profits. But they do report Thursday before the bell. and Maybe they'll surprise people to the upside. I actually think you can stay long this name and look for a price up to 60 bucks. There are a lot of analysts. Pre Elon Musk, that at sixty dollars price targets on Twitter, I think it might go there. So I Do you hear what someone else is there. I don't know if anybody else is there. I think the stock on its own. Where's the touch? Can't trade
4: higher than that, even if they it blow it. It could trade anywhere ride. if people thought there was someone else there, but. but on its, own. I don't think that it's going to trade on its well, own. Well, that's, that going be be <laughs> that's going to be Where's interesting. Where's the
3: touchdown, though? Uh, it's a, it's an interesting uh, conversation, especially in monetize uh, in things better. Lines, I mean,
5: the last couple w- quarters they've shown signs of actually figuring it out. I, I mean, I understand what. you Look, the right thing to do: take profits, let this thing play out. Maybe it trades back down to forty-seven, and we'll see. I think you can trade higher from here.
1: Or, I mean, Brent Thill over at Jefferies was interviewed on CNBC today, and he said he thought that things probably looked so bad the board just gave up. And that was sort of his takeaway from how quickly this deal came together.
2: Yeah, you know, to Tim's point, though, you know, in this environment that we're in right now, to see a company like this is not growing, they're not monetizing, they're not growing their user base, and, and their sales are not growing. Their sales growth is like half that of Snap right now, okay? So the fact that this thing is going to trade at seven times sales for this size at a 43 doesn't make a whole lot of sense in this market environment that we're in. So I'm kind of in Karen's camp. I don't think there were too many other bids, largely because we know that strategic can't buy it for regulatory reasons, um, but but again, I think Tim made this point really well last week. Is like if he doesn't buy the ad model, and you want to go to more subscription things, the business might get smaller before it ever gets bigger, and that's why it needs to be retooled in the private market. So uh, you know who knows? But I mean, they're competing with. We've talked about this. Amazon's ad business is like thirty billion. This is a six billion dollar ad business right now. So unless something happens, they might have just gone the, the you know the wayside anyway.
1: Well, just to extrapolate, the ad model goes away for Twitter. Where do those ad dollars go? And is it so small that it's not really of significance to the other players or is it?
3: I, I don't think it is. Um Look, I think it's significant for Snap, and I think there's certainly a dogfight for this. This, but I think these ad revenues are there, and I think they're there for uh, all the platforms that are out there, and they're con- they're going to continue to grow. I, I, just, you know, I, I look at it as the business that they have now, while it, you know, while imperfect, is one that I, I think there's plenty of people that believe that there's still optionality in how they begin to monetize. Um, and now, I'd be more concerned about cannibalizing that model.
4: Just one other thing about this deal, if you've been following the Trumps back at all. I mean, this is maybe not the death knell, but I don't know. The bells are tolling because, you know, if there is now a free and open public square, public forum, I know Trump said he won't be back. Yes, he told Joe
1: Kernan that today. Yes,
4: but I bet he won't be able to help himself. That wouldn't surprise to me at in all. a tweet, he doesn't Just he just, can't just a tweet like I'm not back. coming back. That could happen, <laughs> right? Would that shock you if Trump <laughs> tweets, oh, no. "I'm yeah. not coming yeah. back?" And but it just thinks, "Okay, what do, what what is Truth Social whole raison d'etre? as free open forum? I guess with Trump on it." But it's 6 months after the deal
1: was announced. They still haven't filed a proxy. What's up with this deal? This this is something's wrong. I mean, my question is, it's interesting to hear all the critics, because a lot of people think that free speech equals... Uh, a playground for the far right, a playground for extremists, a playground for misinformation. But that would actually be shooting yourself in the foot in some respects, because you might get those people back, but you're going to lose a lot of power users on Twitter that reside there and use a platform right now.
3: I think that's, I think that's a concern. And, and you know, Elon Musk, wildly successful. We don't even need to get into that. Um, but is he the arbiter of discourse on the Internet? And I think that concerns a lot of people. And that's certainly where this deal leaves them right now.
1: But that should be a concern no matter who is in charge. Right. That whoever is in charge is the arbiter of information. It just happens to be uh, if you. Not, agree I mean, with I'm not singling him right out now, per se. things although, aren't so bad.
3: Exactly. It's one person, and, and right now we don't know what the process is going to be. We know they're going to open up the bots. We know they're going to allow editing. We know they're going to try to make it more open source. But uh, that's the concern.
5: Then the next question is, what does this mean, if anything, for Tesla stock, which Dan brought up? If Tesla starts to move lower for whatever reason. What does that mean for this deal? What does it mean for Tesla stock? What does it mean for Elon Musk? There are a lot of things. Now Tesla reported earnings. We talked about it that day. Dan said it on this show. This was the earnings release. We said that people for the last three years have been buying the stock ahead of. It was a great release. Stock is actually lower than when it started, right? Or right around those levels. So that's something to think about as well. How many, how, many, how many pots can he have his hands in right now in terms of Tesla, Twitter, SpaceX, and all the other well, things? Well, just
2: think about the market we're in. Again, you know, Facebook on, on September 1st, 2021, was a trillion-dollar market cap. That's the same as Tesla. There wasn't an analyst on the street who rated it anything other than a buy. There were very few investors that didn't think it was anything but cheap and was going higher. And, you know, Tesla, to Guy's point, they put up that core. is amazing. Those margins, the guidance we talked about it that night. But listen, this thing could be a $300 billion accident waiting to happen because all you have to do is look at the rest of the NASDAQ and see it. You know, some of your favorite social names, you know, Google this morning was down almost 20 percent from its all time highs made just a couple months ago. You know, so my point is, if this stock were to go down precipitously for any reason, you know, like that deal could be in, in, in uh, you know, it could not be such an easy thing to get done. And I'll just say the last thing. If he's leveraging all of his stock in Tesla to buy this company, they should buy it with Tesla, okay? At least the shareholders have the upside because they do have all the downside if for any reason there are margin calls in a difficult situation if this stock were to be cut in half. So
4: convert to a Tesla stock deal. Why not? Okay, no, I just want to know, make sure I'm, you just saying, but, I'm not but, well, saying that's what the case. But think thing. about
2: this. Think if you're a Tesla shareholder and that stock goes down and he's got margin calls, that means the bank that loaned him the money has to sell the stock. And we saw this a couple months ago when he tweeted out, hey, should I sell some stock to pay taxes? And what happened to the stock? It went down 20% from an all time high. So to me, I don't really get the, I mean, listen, I don't, you know, you know me, I don't get it's it. It's not that anymore?
1: far off considering Elon Musk has used tw- Twitter as a platform for marketing yeah. the company. No, right? it's that's, not that's, the craziest the
4: idea. Salesforce platform. wanted to buy it for it's that. It's not so crazy. Ago. I just want to make sure I understand it. Then, then then, they wouldn't have debt. They would just be issuing shares effectively at no. this price. It's he bought Solar
1: City. <laughs> we'll see. All right. Let's bring in top ranked a- uh, tech analyst Mark Mahaney. He's Evercore ISI's head of Internet research. Mark, great to have you with us. Um, What's your reaction to this deal, and, and how does this uh, impact the space you cover?
6: Well, it's surprising that it closed so quickly, but clearly the board uh, was convinced that there was that funding was secured. There weren't any other bidders, as Karen uh, pointed out, uh, and, um, and they probably weren't that confident in their ability to deliver their 2023 financial goals, which I and other people have been somewhat skeptical about, and they probably also realized that the markets were in a bear market and it's kind of hard to see the the growth equities coming back quickly. So the path of least resistance was to agree to the bid, even though it was the it was a um, it was a first bid and was not even really not even to negotiate on it, just to agree it. So agree to it. So to me, it's a little bit like when LinkedIn sold to Microsoft. It was a pretty quick deal, and I guess they just didn't feel like they could get the stock above 5420 on their own within the next year. So pull the plug, get rid of the deal. I'm just a little surprised it happened so quickly, but it's done.
3: Hey, hey Mark, it's Tim. We're talking about the the ad business, you know, five to six billion. Uh, What do you think happens to this business from a guy who self-proclaimed doesn't believe in it?
6: I I agreed with what Dan just said a few minutes ago, which is a little bit of a surprise, but I think he may be dead right. Advertising business may be going south before it uh, recovers at Twitter. So look, there are two customers of Twitter here. They're consumers, there's all of us, and then there are the marketers. They're the people who spent $5 billion last year, which is a decent chunk of change on the Twitter ad platform. Musk hasn't mentioned anything about some of the product innovations that marketers have been looking for that this current management team has been uh, focused on. If anything, he's talked about a subscription model that our survey work suggests may be 13% of Twitter users are really interested in, if you're an advertiser, if you're a marketer that's on Twitter now, what are you going to do? You're probably going to be shuffling some of those ad budgets to other platforms, Reddit, TikTok, Facebook, Snapchat. So my guess is that the Facebook, I'm sorry, the Twitter ad revenues first go down. I don't know if that causes, I doubt that causes any funding problems or financial problems for Musk, but I think those ad dollars are going to go down and those dollars are going to go to other platforms.
1: Where do they? I mean, where, which platforms do you think, Mark? And, and also, the thirteen percent—maybe the thirteen percent—is the audience that you actually want to um, show your ads to.
6: Oh, that could be. I like I like that point, Melissa. So yes, I'm sorry. We just—I've done survey work on Twitter for I don't know eight years or something like that, every every six months. By the way, I've never seen content moderation as a major key issue for for users. I don't think putting in more or less moderation is going to dramatically expand the user base. But I think a lot of the initiatives that Musk has talked about, allowing um, editing of uh, of tweets, removing some of the character limits, I think there's some basic you know, user-friendly steps that he and hopefully his new management team can take to make the service better for users. I think product in lack of good product innovation has been a major issue at Twitter for, for years. Subscription business, though, I just think it's a small percentage of people who really want to pay and yes, those are probably the most attractive targets for advertisers. So they would be some cannibalization there and then finally in terms of where those ad budgets would go to i think they would i think twitter has largely been an experimental ad buy. i can't imagine that a marketer would go first in on twitter and then by google or facebook so my guess is that those dollars were kind of shimmy back you know move back towards facebook google but also to reddit TikTok, and snap i think there's a couple of different small winners from this
1: mark great to get your thoughts thank you thanks melissa mark mahaney evercore isi Guy, do you think that there's any read through to uh, the other social media names in terms of, you know, this business was, I mean, basically, Mark was saying that the board said, you know what? We can't do it. You take it.
5: Snap, maybe. (laughs) I mean, Dan can speak to Snap. I mean, Pinterest, I guess you got to put them out there. The one that's going to be fascinating this week is going to be Facebook. I mean, think about a stock that's been cut in half from its all-time high. The level that that stock traded to, the market cap it had, to cut a stock like that in half over the course of three and a half, four months is remarkable. So I think we're going to find out a lot more about the entire space when Facebook reports. Well,
3: and and if you think about Facebook over the last three quarters, what their, their ad growth has been staggering. Okay, so I mean, think of the tailwind that's going on in the digital ad space. Think about what what Google and Facebook uh, and you know to some lesser extent than TikTok and Snap and others are fighting over. But but Facebook still dominates. And and this is the, what's interesting about this. If anything, you'd think that this would either um, put a bright light on just how strong that ad business is at Facebook unless, of course, as Guy says, this, there's something that we don't know. The market's been trading Facebook like this for multiple quarters, though. And, and you know, it's going to come back to they are still in the sweet spot of, of really advertising uh, today. And they are I don't see that being given up.
1: Elon Musk is a very smart individual, correct? True. I would yes. Be, I wouldn't be surprised if this, this thing goes back to being a publicly traded company within a that couple of years. That could happen. Right. And thank you, Morgan Stanley, who lend me the money. (laughs) You're now the lead underwriter. (laughs) That could happen. I mean, it's Elon. Anything can happen. Yeah. All right. You are. um, Let's take a look at this live picture at Twitter headquarters in San Francisco. The company is currently holding an all hands meeting as we speak. CEO Parag Agrawal telling employees the company will continue to operate normally. The chairman saying the board decided Musk's offer represented best value for shareholders. We'll bring you any other headlines as they cross. Coming up, stocks staging a major reversal in today's session. The Dow are racing a nearly 500-point loss, and there are a few parts of the market catching our traders' eyes. We're digging into the moves in just a few, but first, no fix for Netflix. Shares continue to drop. One of our traders is calling it quits on this one. The details on the trade next. We've got the latest when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got a trade update for you. Netflix shares in a free fall after the company's earnings nightmare last week. Currencies sees- Stranger Things ahead, selling her entire (laughs) stake today. So was this decision cake? Explain yourself, Lady Whistledown. Oh, my
3: goodness. (laughs) Lady (laughs) Whistledown.
4: Wow. Wow. Okay.
1: So just a tiny bit of history.
4: I've liked the product for a long, long time. Never on the stock until last quarter when they missed. The stock went from, I don't know, high 500s to under 400 where I dip my toe in the water. This quarter happens. I lose half that toe. I wait three days, as we talked about on the third day, which is Friday. I bought another toe and a half, let's call it. So I had two toes in, thought about it a lot over the weekend, spent some time thinking about it more and deciding, you know what, if I didn't own any, I would have a lot more clarity thinking about this. So let's not own any. I sold it today thinking that We're going to see some more streaming earnings coming up. We're going to see Paramount on uh, the third. We're going to see Disney on the 11th. And I feel like regardless of how if if Paramount puts up great numbers, people are going to think, oh, competition is really getting to Netflix. If Paramount puts up terrible numbers, people will think, wow, the whole streaming business is off. Right. Right. So I feel like that just the filter now is all negative for Netflix. It's not expensive here, but the pendulum could swing further. So I decided I'll I'll be all all out for now and just watch. What are you doing with your toe?
3: So my my toe, (laughs) I've lost a toe here too. And I think Karen and I dipped our toe in that that same difficult water. (laughs) Um, around the same time, I, you know, to me, I'm not ready to say that that same tailwind, uh, the death, the death of linear TV, and what was going to be the rising boat that that at least Reese Hastings has told us is raising all other boats, rising tide, all other boats. I, you know, I also think geopolitical factors. I think there's some dynamics around COVID and pull forward. I think the lack of a linear move higher in, in subs is, is should not be something that bothers us. The valuation here um, is something that I, I think makes sense. What happened to all this unique content they were creating? What happened to all these people that were saying this is not about a conduit? This is not a pipe. This is actually a, a content company. They've gone very quiet here, so I'm not ready to, to – to, but, you know, Karen may be right. She's going to be the person with more toes than me potentially <laughs> uh, in another couple of weeks. The
1: content is not yeah. enough. It's not, not enough good content. We made three Netflix puns. Since
3: when? I mean, Wait, and again, okay. I, I hear you. I totally hear that. But I'm either, just saying the you know, argument. The
1: Post CEO said we need a Bridgerton every single month. We need hits more frequently. And hits more frequently equals more money spent.
5: 68% moved since November when everybody, all the, you know, you can flip the coin. All the negativity here, and that was all the endorsements and the ringing just enthusiasm about the stock four and a half, five months ago. So clearly things have changed. But how much have they changed? 70% says a lot. I'll say this. Disney now at 20 times next year's numbers, about as cheap as it's been in a while, into earnings, to Karen's point, on May 11th. To me, that's how you trade this Netflix move.
1: 4P is 20 now. And three times so. Less than three less. Oh, Here's the thing. Yeah.
5: So, so...
2: Y'all lost your minds if if you guys don't think that this stock going from 700 in mid November to 200 and not done going down is something that you want to extrapolate to some other stories. So, bringing that back to the A block, okay? This was a cult stock. It was one of the first meme stocks. It's been around. It's been doing this to find all of those bear cases. And and Reed Hastings had had to redefine this company and pivot and do things over it as long as we've been doing the show, right? We've been talking about this. And there's been really smart investors who've been in Carl Icahn, his friend. Ackman, you know, everybody. I mean, everybody, right? And Carl now made it's, a bunch of money on what's it. That? Made,
1: he, he made Carl- toes. Bill Ackman lost a foot. Well, yeah, <laughs> well
2: what, I'm, what, what I'm saying is this is a market moment when Netflix, which was the poster child, the meme stock of the post-financial crisis uh, market that we have been in, has literally just lost 70 percent and it's not going down. And you just sold it after three days. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm not criticizing. What I'm saying is means that it's not done and you really gotta start thinking about some other names that might be able to do this in your
3: portfolio. But what- I hear what you're saying. Why does it mean it's not done? Uh, because I, I, I feel like we've seen this crescendo of a lot of different stocks. What makes this whole market move feel so painful for a lot of our audience and people on this desk is that we're looking at stocks that are down 60 to 80 percent. The fact that Netflix is down 60, what is it, 80 percent? Um, but, but this is the first time we have multiple hundred
2: billion dollar market caps doing this since Facebook turned around. So you don't since think Netflix that this is, turned around. you don't think this PayPal, is a Netflix-specific story? I mean, what I'm saying, it's a market story. It's a market All story. All the other yeah. crap has been selling off for a year year, year and a half, you know what I mean? And now they're getting to the stories where the valuations, the, those people who were wrong on the way up, like me, for a bunch so of these sorts why? of names,
3: now they care. Why isn't it a great time to own a company that's not expensive? What's your time horizon? Yes, well, where the market's is. dislocated. And, and again, this is the kind of environment. I totally agree. Look, I, I don't feel great about where the market sits. And it was a nice recovery. We're going to have a market block coming up in the show. But I, I, I do think something like a Netflix and, a, and, and maybe even a Facebook, unless you think these companies have businesses that are totally broken. Um, this isn't a time to throw them out. It's actually a time to be nibbling on them when the market has absolutely thrown them out of bed.
1: All right. Uh, we are just getting started here on Fast Money. Here's what's coming up next.
0: A major reversal on Wall Street. Stocks rally to close in the green. But which market moves should you keep an eye on? The traders break it down next. Plus, biotech bounce back. The group showing signs of life after a rough week. So is this trade the cure for your portfolio? The details ahead. You're watching Fast Money, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. We're back right after this.
1: Welcome back to Fast Money Market, staging a major rebound today with the Dow racing a nearly 500 point loss to end the day up almost 240 points. The S&P and Nasdaq also rallying into the close. Mega cap tech leading the gains as we count down to this huge earnings week. Alphabet and Microsoft jumping more than 2 percent. Amazon and Meta rising more than one, but it wasn't all good news. Big banks continuing to trade under pressure with Wells Fargo dropping more than a percent. The stock, which had been leading the sector all year, is down more than 5% this month. And take a look at the plunge in oil prices. WTI crude dropping nearly 3%, taking the rest of the energy sector along with it. Every member of the OIH was down today with Schlumberger putting in its worst day since October 2020. So what is the message the market is telling us? Guy, What do you think?
5: Not sure. I mean, volatility traded north of thirty. I think a lot of what you saw today is classic those counter trend rallies that we've seen the last three and a half, four months. I think this is exactly it today. I think the market's struggling with what our interest rates mean? What does the yield curve mean? The, bo- the bond market volatility is staggering to me. I think the bond market's broken. I'll say this: if you start doing the math, I still think four thousand the S and P is a foregone conclusion in the form of. $230 worth of earnings, 17 and a half multiple, which is reasonable. That gets you to 4000 And I think there's a shot that we overshoot to the downside from
3: there.
1: On top of all this, you know, things are getting worse in China on the COVID front. Two of the wealthiest cities are basically in lockdown or on the verge of lockdown, Shanghai and Beijing.
3: Yeah, I think the numbers we're going to get out of China for April are going to be significantly worse than what we've seen. So different companies are giving us some insight of that. We're going to get China PMIs later in the week. I just think this this could be part of our A-block discussion or B-block discussion in big cap tech. I, I think, I'm not saying yields are done moving higher, but I do think we've priced in a lot of Fed. Is it peak Fed? I don't know, but this is very supportive at some point to, to make a cap tech. Uh, and back to the bank, You know, I think look, we've had now almost two weeks, uh, 10 days to digest bank earnings. And I think, first of all, if you look at bank earnings over the last six quarters, um, five of those six quarters, it took them two weeks to digest the earnings. Then you saw anywhere from a a 12 to 24 percent move in the banks. I think there's there's your chart Um, in environments that at different times were also where we were struggling with where yields are. I think if you look at the, the earnings power of these banks, Karen talks about that higher rates ultimately are really I know we look at twos, tens all the time. But these banks are making more money. And I know we've all talked about credit. But if you look at the the, the high yield credit spreads, uh, and I know we talk about the HYG, they really haven't moved yet. So I, I think banks are worth looking at. And I do think we priced in peak Fed. And I think this is good for IT.
1: Our next guest says stocks aren't oversold just yet. It's time to go off the charts with Chris Verona, Strategas, a Baird company. Chris, last time you were on, you called the drop in semis. Um, what do you see for stocks right now?
9: Hey, Melissa. Yeah, you know... Uh, I think it's very tempting to look at these interday reversals and and believe some some good durable rally is starting, but I'm more skeptical of that view. And as we kind of laid out this morning, I'm just not convinced we're at some deep oversold or capitulative moment. I mean, even today. You know, we're sitting here with something like 40, 45 percent of stocks above their 50-day moving average uh, on the S&P. That's hardly a flush. I mean, I want to see something in the in the 15 or 20 percent range to even begin to entertain the idea uh, of a good oversold uh, condition here. I think on any rally, like circle this 4,400 area. That's the declining 50-day moving average. I think it's going to be difficult to do a lot better than that. And you know, when I look within the options market for evidence of fear put call ratios still remain pretty benign. you got some spike in put calls on Friday, but not in that 99th percentile range we're looking for. And even when you kind of smooth the data out over a week or two weeks, looking at the 10-day average of put calls, those are still way too benign in, in terms of the type of anxiety that you want to see at or near a low. So I don't think we're really there internals with price. I don't think the sentiment is there. You mentioned the semis. I recognize the semis are down a lot. Semis are down something like 25 from the highs. Uh, Decent reversal today. But remember, in the pre-QE regime, down 25 was really about only halfway of what a cyclical group would correct. I mean, semis from 95 to 2000, the best five-year run for semis ever, came in 50% twice, right? Cyclical groups, when they go down, tend to go down closer to 40 or 50 not 20 or 25. So I'm skeptical of bounces in semis. I'm skeptical of bounces in the triple Qs and I think 4400 on the S&P is about as good as you can do uh, on a rally. So what can we own here? I do think some of the weaker hands have capitulated or are close to on energy and you see that in the flows. If you look at the XLE flows, you know, there's good support in though. I've called 66 to 68 range a three month average of flows looks pretty liquidated here so you've seen a lot of the weak hands retire positions over the last couple days that's interesting to me from a contrarian perspective and one name in particular pioneer pxd really back to some pretty major support in this you know 215 we bounced right off that today um, I think it's a decent area to think about some washed out energy stocks after a couple of days of pretty pronounced selling. But big picture, Mel, I think this market's not oversold. I don't think there's enough anxiety or fear out there. I think people are largely still pretty complacent. I'm skeptical of bounces.
1: Um, just to clarify, Chris, in terms of wanting to see a sort of a twenty percent flush, um that's from yeah. highs. So on the s and p, that's another ten percent or so.
9: Yeah, I mean, like, Today, date, we have S&P, I think at the max, was down something like 13. Triple Q's was down closer to 20. So maybe we're halfway there. Maybe we're 60% of the way there. I'm not convinced uh, we're the full way. And I think in particular, look at that put call data, right? When you're at or near a good low, you're going to see big anxiety in the options market. We never had that in late February, and we really haven't had that thus far over the last several days.
1: Chris, good to see you. Thank you. Chris Varone of Strategis. Um, Karen, what do you think of Chris's forecast?
4: Well, it's interesting. We all look at the VIX here, and he's mm-hmm. talking about the put-call yeah. ratio, and that sort of directly gets us to the VIX. I am surprised it's here. Guy was talking about today on our call uh, midday. I'd like to see a big flush out of the market, and so the VIX being That's much right. higher mm-hmm. as another buy signal. Here, it's sort of a no-man's land. This
2: might surprise you but uh, I agree with almost everything that Chris, know, that, that, that Chris, Chris Farone just said and listen obviously I'm a very damaged market participant here I have a lot of scar tissue going back to the, like the the post.com you know uh, protracted bear market but Today's action was so bearish. I know you're all excited because we bounced a little bit and we had that reversal and this and whatever. To see the banks act the way they did based on what Tim just said, the action has been since their earnings, really all year long. To see oil crater the way it did and stocks like Slumberger down 10 percent, to see the material stocks act that way, that felt like something that I was really familiar with back in 01 and 02 and trying to play for that one step forward, two or three steps back in a bear market. That's what today felt like.
1: Um, Tim said before that the markets are priced in a lot of Fed. Have mm. we priced in the possibility of a recession, or is that what we're trying to grapple with right now?
5: I think the bond market has priced in a lot of Fed. I, I'm not going to speak economics. I say it all the time. I'm not smart enough or humorless enough to be an economist, mm-hmm. but I'll say this. I think the bond market's priced in the Fed. I don't think the stock market has at all. I think that's what we're struggling with. But you know, Dan's point about Slumberger, it's amazing. That it's valuation that that stock trades at to move down 10% in a day is incredible. OIH, in the course of four trading days, traded down almost 20%. And none of those stocks are particularly expensive.
3: So there's something broken out there. I just haven't figured it out yet. Ring counts are up 55%. Exxon reports on Friday. I'll just say this. They, they've never been more financially disciplined. They've got $8 billion in upstream earnings. They have exposure to chemicals. They've got an asset in Guyana that's highly free cash regenerative. I, I agree with everything Chris said about that. The weekends are out of the energy space. You've fallen 16% in three days. The, these companies are well positioned.
1: All right. One of the biggest names in big tech, Microsoft, is on deck to report earnings after the bell tomorrow. Options traders are betting that that name could be about to surge higher. Mike Co joins us with the setup. Mike. Yep.
10: Yeah, so we saw Microsoft trade above average options volume today. Uh, right now, the options market is implying a move of about 6% or so by the end of the week. Uh, that's significantly higher than the three and a half percent that the company has averaged over the course of the last eight quarters. And the most active options were the weekly three hundred strike calls, nearly twenty-two thousand of those traded for about a buck twenty-three apiece, and buyers of those are obviously betting that Microsoft is going to trade higher. A quick point the last two quarters the stock did actually rally close to seven percent in the three days that followed earnings, and that could be what they're betting on. But I would point out that kind of like what we were just hearing all the panelists saying, I, th- I think that when we look at the options markets, it's a little premature to get too uh, ecstatic at this point. I'd like to see uh, the VIX up in the, well into the 30s before I think there's evidence of a washout.
1: All right, Mike, thanks, Mike co for more options action. Tune into the full show Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Coming up, a biotech bump. The group jumping today after a rough couple weeks. Can you believe this bounce? We're digging into that trade next. Plus, Verizon, a real buzzkill in today's session. We'll tell you what had investors hanging up on this trade. The details when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Biotech seeing some healthy gains today. The XBI Biotech ETF popping more than 2%, rebounding from its worst week since January. So is this trade in recovery? Let's get to Meg Terrell for more on Biotech's moves higher. Hey, Meg.
7: Hey, Mal, Well, it's really interesting. If you look at biotech today, it's really the names that had been the most beaten down that are actually doing among the best today. You're seeing the XBI ETF up more than 2% compared with uh, just less than 1% for the IBB. The IBB is bigger cap names that, that influence the ETF most of all, whereas it's smaller in mid caps for the XBI. And you can see that over the past two days, the XBI has outperformed the broader market, but that's bucking the trend that has been showing for the last year when it's been really terribly beaten down. And one of the the things really driving sentiment into these names is a clinical trial success, something that biotech investors have not been seeing enough of over the last year from a company called Encarta. This is a very small company, about a $250 million market cap before it more than doubled in trading today. On this clinical trial success, in cancer. Very early data. We hope to see more pretty soon toward the end of the year, Uh, but that really driving that stock higher and also just kind of driving sentiment in a lot of more beaten down biotech names higher. Other winners that you saw today, Moderna, that's been beaten down a lot, although it's a much different profile company. BioNTech, same story. Intellia Therapeutics, which is working in CRISPR gene editing, also up um, a lot as well. That, of course, coming now as the XBI is down almost 30% year to date. So biotech investors hoping for more good clinical trial data like this
1: one, Mel. All right, Meg, thanks. Good to see you, Meg Terrell. Guy, where's the trade here?
5: Amgen, you look at Amgen, the second largest holding in IBB, I think it's about 7% behind Moderna, 9% within a whisper of its all-time high we made in the summer of 2020. They report, I believe, Wednesday after the bell, you can still make a very compelling case on valuation I think they're going to blow through those prior all-time highs. Amgen is the play. And if you want to sort of spread your chips, IBB.
3: Yeah, and in the IBB, I just, it's worth pointing out that Moderna and Biogen are responsible for you know 70% of the pain you've had in that index. And again, at one point, Moderna was close to 8% of the IBB. Biogen has been a disaster since announcing their controversial Alzheimer's. So if you're looking at IBB, Amgen and Gilead ha- have been stalwarts. And those are balance sheets that in this environment, they're not high-flying Biogen tech stocks. They're actually very conservative companies.
1: All right. Coming up, will April showers bring May flowers for Bitcoin after a double digit drop this month? We'll break down what is next for crypto. But first, Verizon shares dropping today. What is behind this move lower? The trade on that name and much more right after this break. Welcome back to Fast Money. Can you hear me now? Shares of Verizon dropping, analysts at Goldman Sachs downgrading the communications company to a neutral, lowering their 12-month price target from 61 to 55. This, of course, after earnings and guidance, which are really disappointed that sort of set off this decline. And Dan, you're flagging this. Yeah,
2: it's just a surprising price action for a company or a stock that, that has a 5% dividend yield in a, in a place where consumer staples are doing really well and people are not so concerned um, about those valuations. So to me, you know, if you're looking for defensive, this has obviously been the age old one of them. It just doesn't act particularly well. And for investors to kind of hit the sell button the way they did over the last three days um, is really surprising to me.
5: Best thing about AT&T, those lily commercials, number one, and collectively AT&T and Verizon is where hope goes to die in both those names. So we've said for a while, avoid them, Dan Nathan, but you want to play in the deep end of the pool. T-Mobile reports this week, bouncing off that recent low, I think TMUS is the place to be.
1: Tim's got AT&T. Yeah, I've died
3: there, too. Okay. Uh, uh, Tough show for me. Yeah, no Uh, no, 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 doubt. And and it's hard to, like... Verizon and AT&T in an environment where you've got maybe a 3% two-year note. I mean, this was, this was a yield play. Um, we say this on this show all the time, and my arguments in favor of AT&T were never because of the div. We say this, buying a stock for a dividend yield um, could be gone in one day. Uh, and that's something that I think is very important to understand. But I do think the, the fiscal discipline and really unwinding a very bad trade at AT&T, some of the parts still works.
1: All right. Coming up, could Bitcoin's next move higher be tied to rate hikes? We'll bring you the crypto catalyst. You should be watching much more Fast Money in two. Welcome back to Fast Money. Check out the crypto comeback. Bitcoin and Ethereum finishing in the green after a rough start to the day. And look how similarly these two cryptocurrencies have traded with the Nasdaq 100 this month. What was supposed to be a store value is now trading like a tech stock. So why the sudden shift in sentiment? Let's bring in Simplify Asset Management CEO and co-founder Paul Kim to break it down. Paul, great to have you on. Thank you for having me.
10: Uh, yes, great question. And I, I agree with you completely. It's trading like a tech stock because we're all essentially waiting for the Fed to uh, come out and actually uh, lift rates as they've been telegraphing for months. And then most importantly, I think there's a lot of earnings coming through. So clearly the markets are struggling, the tech sector broadly, but Bitcoin, which trades essentially like the Nasdaq in the past few months, is waiting for a catalyst. And um, we're all off the highs and we're just waiting for the next leg, higher or lower. But it's really, again, all eyes on the Fed right now.
1: So what is your positioning in Bitcoin right now? And are you just holding on to it or are you cycling out of it because there's so many unknowns, as you outlined?
10: So we don't actively trade Bitcoin. We are much more of a strategic investor. Um, It's in one of our ETFs where we invested um, as a partial investment for advisors to get off zero. And I think that's okay. Much of the ETF world has been built around passively investing in exposures and Bitcoin at 1.8 trillion or crypto broadly at 1.8 trillion means it's an investable asset class. It's historically done very well. And right now, it looks a lot like tech exposures. But clearly, when the right catalysts come, it could go back to being more of a flight to safety or a gold 2.0. But for now, it looks like the Nasdaq 100.
1: Uh, So what's your biggest position right now, Paul?
10: Our largest position is basically uh, Bitcoin. I mean, that's the biggest mega cap in that space. And again, it's a very easy exposure to put on. Um, and from our platform perspective, uh, we offer a bunch of different betas, including U.S. large caps down to technology. And again, this is a very important, increasingly important beta for the advisor community out there.
1: All right, Paul, great to get your thoughts. Thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate it.
10: Thank you so much.
1: Paul Kim. Karen, when do you make a Bitcoin here? We've certainly seen the NFT market cool off, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, activity there has, has gone way down.
4: Right. Well, I think that as the institutional adoption of Bitcoin has evolved mm-hmm. to be pretty meaningful, right. whenever we see tough markets, we see all assets correlate to one. Right. That just happens as people just pare down on everything when they want to take risk off. And I think that's what's happening here.
1: So, it's not a uh, Bitcoin specific sort of story at this point. Well, I feel like Bitcoin's the most liquid.
4: It's right. the proxy for the space. Yeah. Dan?
2: It's funny, you know, when you see those comparisons to like high growth tech stocks, I, I think Ethereum, I think ETH, and, and I say to myself, okay, if you, you know, you, you might not believe in DeFi, but you might believe in a lot of the Web3 stuff as it relates to communities and around NFTs and that sort of thing. And that's what I would say is really interesting. All those projects that are being built on that. The Bitcoin stuff, is really weird. It does seem like it's a proxy for, you know, monetary, global monetary. This It's, you know, above my pay grade. It just is, you know what I mean? So um, ETH, to me, if you want to make that tech stock thing and you want to kind of layer or leg into that, we have this catalyst coming up, this proof of work um, to proof of stake and that should happen in the back half of this year and that should give that some support when you see a pullback. And it does feel like it's going to pull back a little
5: bit. I don't think it's coincidence that Bitcoin topped out when the Fed started to be responsible again, when they changed course back in November. Now, the huge bull case, in my opinion, for Bitcoin will be if the Fed pivots for whatever reason. I don't know what that reason is, but if this Fed blinks because the market sells off or something happens, that's the catalyst for Bitcoin to probably take out the all-time highs.
3: It's interesting, but you know, gold finally caught some legs when the Fed really went into overdrive, and and and, and I know, uh, Paul talked about, it wasn't necessarily saying store value. One of the other dynamics we've discussed on this desk, where is that mega cap tech stocks almost became the treasury market for crypto players uh, where they were parking cash. And I think there's certainly something to be said about some of the price action we've seen as folks have had to deal with tax losses or and or actually just dealing with the volatility.
1: Up next, final trades. Welcome back to Fast Money. Some more headlines out of Twitter's all-hands meeting. CEO Parag Agrawal saying there are currently no plans for layoffs after the Musk deal. Chairman Brett uh, saying a, quote, big part of this merger agreement is ensuring operating continuity and ensuring this management team and Parag can continue. In response to a question about whether Donald Trump will be allowed back on the platform, Agrawal also said the company will speak with Musk about the direction of the site, although we do know um, that uh, Donald Trump has told Joe Kernan that he will not return to Twitter, we'll see what happens. All right, time now for the final trade here. Let's go around the horn, Uh, Tim Seymour. Let's go to the energy sector again. I talked about Exxon
3: earlier. I do think you have a case here when you look at the financial discipline there, there actually could be asset sales. There could be a $10 billion buyback. Exxon to me on the sell-off looks very interesting.
4: Karen. So now that we get into earnings season, big tech earnings this week. And so for me, Google is my biggest position. They report tomorrow after the bell very interested to hear how it's going i think it'll also be interesting for facebook which is later in the week
1: dan
2: you know it's really nice to see meg terrell in happier times reporting on her space right and that xbi right. is so banged up you know in the mid-cap and the small cap area that seems to be the place to be maybe you just have so bad it's good in the xbi i
1: mean she didn't say vaccine or covid once although no. she said moderna and Ion. <laughs> but she didn't say covid
5: Couple things Amen. we mentioned big toes earlier. I just want to say you, you, Sergeant Holcomb. Mel is our big toe. Sergeant Holcomb, right or wrong? Yo, I geez. mean we're all in agreement on that one. Number one.
8: Yes. Net Celtics
5: you. tonight. Do the Nets pull one out just for the fans in Brooklyn? Yes or no, yes. Mel? Yeah, I think they get swept. They I mean, which is unfortunate <laughs> for net fans, but I mean you don't play in New York anyway. Amgen reports this week. I like AMGN Melms.
1: Alright, it's fun to be all here together in-house. Thanks for watching Fast. See you back here tomorrow. Five for more Fast. Mad Money with Jim Kramer starts right now.
8: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you